Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Derek Leiter. He's the manager of product, sales, and innovation at GXM. Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Derek, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, just a little bit about me, apart from my role and everything right now. Uh, essentially, I've just been a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, I guess you could say it started when I was eight years old and I hired the neighborhood kids to monopolize all the lemonade stands instead of competing with them. Uh, but fast forward, right? I've studied uh, technology management and entrepreneurship in Santa Barbara. I then went on to uh, study entrepreneurship, received my MBA at WashU. And while at WashU is actually when I started really getting involved in the federal space, working alongside the DOD. I've done um, you know, some innovation programs in this space to kind of get a little bit of flavor of what's there, uh, doing some X-Force stuff. And then from there, finding GXM and actually working with GXM uh, and support of innovation programming and now working with our platform OpenHive. So always just been super hyper-focused on what's new and different and interesting and have fallen in love with really the federal innovation space, you know, within the DOD. I love that. I think that's so fascinating. And, you know, before we dive a little bit more into kind of innovation and, you know, tell me a little bit about what GXM does. Yeah. So GXM is a federal contract company, a federal contractor, I should say, and they've been doing innovation services for years. And I should probably give some detail around that because I think innovation, although is probably the word I use the most in my vocabulary, it's also the word that I think is has the most definitions to it, depending on who you're talking about. And so I'll give a couple of little blurbs on what GXM's done in the past. And I think that'll help kind of sculpt what they who they are as a company. Um, so Back in the day, actually, the first innovation programming GXM did was working with DARPA in Afghanistan. And we actually had our engineers in the front lines with these people working within, you know, in theaters, we say, and iterating on development of software and programming and code. Um, literally, they would go out on patrol, they would come back, they'd report back to us on what the issue was. We would write new code right then on the spot and go back. And so GXM, as far as that is concerned, is, is a hyper-focused, end-user-obsessed services company, right? And so from there, we just kind of grew and expanded. We were actually the first prime contractor uh, to be part of what was at that time the National Security Technology Accelerator, which is now the National Security Innovation Network under DIU. What we did for them was run 13 different innovation programs which actually allowed for military end users to sort of connect and network with non-traditional members. And what I mean by that is taking someone within the Navy and connecting them to a PhD student that potentially is working on something related to a problems that they have or connecting them to a startup venture that potentially has this very niche process or tool that is not known yet within that DOD space, but could potentially be something that would create a solution that would help, you know, hundreds, thousands, whatever it may be at that time, right? And then from there, 
we moved on to actually helping stand up the Army Futures Command and move their headquarters um, from Virginia to Austin. And this is important to note because that's the first four-star command that the Army has stood up since the 1950s. And so if you kind of look at the track record here, right, essentially GXM is a service-based company, but obsessed with end users, innovation, problem solving, and that connectivity of non-traditional members and the warfighter themselves. Mm -hmm. And you teased a little bit talking about OpenHive. So is OpenHive the way that you're able to do that? So OpenHive was, you know, in the early days was not around, right? But yeah. I think the interesting thing about entrepreneurial mindsets, right, is you identify problems and you evolve to meet those problems, right? And so OpenHive came about after years of GXM being inside this innovation services space. It originally, back in the day, had a different name, uh, and it was called uh, UNUM, and it was part of the National Security Innovation Network. That was just to support their internal programs. However, it's evolved greatly over time, and what OpenHive is now, an open networking collaboration platform that is used across the DOD, academia, and ventures right? Because we found that that was the gap. The gap was that collaboration, that connectivity. Um, you know, if I may too, I think that one part that's not highlighted in the services that I think makes OpenHive so essential to this process or this environment that it was it's in is that there seems to be this understanding that technology can do everything for us, right? The minute we think of artificial intelligence, we think, oh, everyone's being replaced. The unique aspect of OpenHive is that it actually creates the organic human-to-human -human connectivity that is missing right now, right? There could be OpenHive, but if no one goes on and shares ideas, you're never going to have that Army member connect with that Navy member who then go and go, you know, get a SIBR to get funding for their idea, which then is added to by connecting with a PhD student at Ohio State or Emory, right? And that organic connectivity, the many nodes of a system that combine is what brings about sort of the really exciting aspects of OpenHive, which is true innovation on the back end, which leads to solution adoption. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're talking about the capabilities that OpenHive has, talk to me a little bit about how it's really able to stand out from its competition. Yeah, so there's a few things that I would bring up. Um, so number one, and this is very important for those on the DOD side, not so much the academia or venture side, but no CAC card is needed. A CAC card in the, the you know, federal space is a common access card. Essentially think about uh, anytime you've been to a private facility or you know, you're at an office building, you just swipe in, right? This mm -hmm. card is sort of that enabler of access. What we've done is taken away that need for you to put your card into the system or anything, right? It's open platform. And so what that means is that people can come in, they can share ideas openly. Obviously nothing's classified, right? But I think that it really allows for us to hit the 80% of ideas that are out there, right? I really believe that 20% are not being able to share openly. The, another aspect to it as well is that we do what's called, I call white glove service, right? There are platforms out there that you can throw an idea into what I call the black hole. You just toss into the platform, nothing really, really happens, right? Or maybe you say, hey, I wanna you know, be innovative. Okay, here's a platform where I can 
put something down, but I don't know what problem statements really attract attention, right? Maybe I don't know how to set it up into buckets or tiers to allow for the largest audience to come in. When you work with OpenHive, you actually get my personal cell phone number. You have our design team. You have years of our service experience behind us, and we help curate every aspect of your sort of interaction with OpenHive to make sure you get the greatest engagement from it. That's and then, yeah, and speaking of engagement as well, and I apologize, but we have a lot of differences to competitors, so I got to go oh, through a few. Yeah, I love it. Um, we have what's live engagement. And so earlier when I said, you know, tossing these ideas into the black hole, what I really mean is that there is no way to sort of grow and expand upon ideas in many of these platforms. Uh, some of them, you can't even read other people's ideas on them, right? It's, it's locked off to the back end. What we do on OpenHive is really allow for that organic interaction to happen through likes, comments, sharing of resources, right? So what you'll see inside our challenges, many members will submit an idea and there's a whole bunch of threads going on underneath it with, hey, by the way, I know you're testing this polymer. Have you tried to do it in this you know, temperature? And there's a lot of that sort of collaboration going on there. And you'll notice uh, from the back end, a lot of these cards or submissions are constantly edited and updated because the network itself is helping you refine and continue moving forward. And so that live engagement is great. I also think that the live engagement brings upon you know, a couple of different other aspects as well, which one of the things I think is most important, especially in the DOD, is it allows for senior leadership to participate. And why that's so important is there are a lot of times there are a lot of voices inside the DOD that get lost. But if I'm you know, entry level inside the army, I'm just starting off and I see my leader coming in and commenting, this is a great idea, or hey, by the way, I know so-and-so at this base is working on this project. I've known over years of working with this platform that if senior leadership goes in and can comment, support, provide feedback, you're gonna see a continual um, increase in members who do participate in further challenges or competitions, et cetera. Um, and so I think those are kind of the three that I would like to highlight as the main difference. Uh, but there are definitely some more that I could get into, but I don't want this to be all about that. So I'll end there on that. No, I think that's fantastic. And I really like the example that you gave about senior leadership and the importance of that. And in your experience, what that looks like engaging with OpenHive. So can you know you started to talk a little bit about it, but can you give me like another use case for the platform? Use case, sure. So, you know, what if I gave you an elevator pitch for the platform and then I talked about how different things can connect to those aspects of it, right? It. No, just to kind of define it for everyone, right? OpenHive is a one-stop shop for innovators across the federal academia and venture space where they can collaborate on ideas, they can participate in challenges, and they can join communities with the hopes that this sort of opens the door for it could be solution adoption as part of the challenges. It could be improved policies as far as openness for sharing and collaboration of ideas within certain communities. It could bring higher morale to units. It could lead to uh, greater efficiency within the units. And it also leads to contracting opportunities and potentially even employment opportunities in the you know, startup venture space or the academia space. And so just sort of with that 
outlined, right? I think that I can bring up a few different use cases of how it's used currently that might, um, you know, bring about sort of more of a clarity on exactly what OpenHive is capable of doing. So, and I'm going to try to use a couple of different use cases to really get a breath here, right? So, uh, let's start with the academic side. So there's the National Intelligence University, uh, and they are part of what's called the um, Intelligence Studies Consortium. You know, 12 plus universities that really have a focus on the sort of federal uh, political sphere, right? And they have many intelligence students. What they do is uh, once a year, they will actually come up with a challenge, an open challenge page on OpenHive discussing five really important parts of current events that are going on, right? It might be um, digital uh, cybersecurity attacks from uh, threats going on. It could be um, issues with sort of the supply chain around food scarcity or whatever, you know, whatever it may be that's the issue at that time. And what they'll do is actually solicit for these students to bring their ideas to this platform, share them on the platform, tag their school, it allows for other students to learn from their um, you know, reports. It allows for them to kind of get some publicity around their reports. And then what they do is they bring in a review team of panels across those universities, and they'll select a few students to actually come out to DC and do a live presentation around their you know, thesis idea, uh, maybe you know, solution that they've come up with, right? But it, it allows for sort of this open solicitation of ideas in the academic space to bring it to light, publicize it, and move forward. Now, that's academic focused, right? There's also a world where we have members in the federal space that maybe want to connect in the commercial world. So for example, the um, Air Force Research Laboratory uh, last year ran a additive manufacturing challenge, very technically focused challenge around they were looking for a process that could print large uh, you know, airplane parts for a certain plane that they were looking for. And they wanted a different process around it, a cheaper process, and just different ways of going about doing it, right? And so they opened that up to the commercial world. And we had multiple commercial additive manufacturing companies come in. And the interesting part about this was that actually after the Q&A for that challenge, a lot of these additive manufacturing companies began pairing up organically on the platform with students from PhD research teams at universities. So a lot of the proposals that came in were actually you know, a team from, uh, let's say UC Berkeley pairing up with an additive manufacturing uh, startup company or small venture out of Tennessee and oh. submitting these proposals. Yeah, very, very, and that was all organically done through the Q&A. It was actually awesome as they were answering questions around the technical side of this project, the chat was blowing up of people saying, hey, by the way, I'm researching this, but I don't have this machine. And then you'd see someone say, I have that machine in my lab, like let's get together, right? And all just happening. And so that actually led to about a million dollar plus in contracts that were awarded for certain teams to move through that process and potentially work with and become a customer of the Air Force, right? Yeah. And then, so I'm giving you a little academia, I'm giving you a little commercial. And then I think that there are you know, two use cases that are very DOD centric that are, are interesting to highlight. And that is that you're seeing with this culture shift inside the DOD, innovation is extremely important. And so what we have is larger organizations running these 
challenges to create um, you know, a community around it, but also kind of help really get the ideas flowing. And so you have uh, the 18th Airborne Corps, they have a yearly event called Dragon's Lair, where they allow submissions from any branch to come in and participate in Dragon's Lair. And that actually ends with a live pitch competition. Um, it was in Florida this year, it was in Austin last year. And then you also have uh, US CENTCOM that ran their Innovation Oasis Challenge recently. And they allowed for all components of CENTCOM to come in and participate in this Open Innovation Challenge as well, right? And so you have these three separate types of challenges but you're finding that there's non-traditional network participation and there's DOD participation. And then obviously challenges are time restraint, right? Three month long, but all these challenges bring momentum to a community. So members who are excited about that challenge now have a community, a landing page where they can continue to iterate, continue to collaborate, follow people, learn from people. And so it really just becomes like a self-feeding network of innovators and thinkers that continue to you know make these connections as they play on the platform i think that's fantastic and that that use case you know the several different ones that you gave are so helpful and it really helps to conceptualize kind of the capabilities that open hive does the connection that it's able to build so you know looking forward what talk to me a little bit about what the product roadmap looks like over the next year yeah so this is an exciting time for us um and as the person who literally oversees the roadmap. I'm probably most excited to talk a little bit about this because there's some awesome stuff coming down the pipeline. So the fact that OpenHive is now run solely by GXM, we are able to A, completely dedicate the roadmap to what we're seeing uh, demanded by our, our mission partners, right? It's no longer built for somebody else. It's no longer built for programs. It's built for the end user. And so what we're learning is that there's a balance that needs to be on the roadmap. There is the desire to have that human to human contact remain. And so what we're thinking about doing there is really trying to find ways to help bring on more mentorship, more connectivity onto the platform. So we're updating the way that you can connect and follow, but we're also updating the way that you can use feature and functionality on the platform to work with a mentor to refine ideas or use you know, chat GPT, if it will, to help you say, okay, look, this isn't a problem that I'm facing. I think I have a solution. Let me dig deeper into this with you, right? And so we're trying to bring about a lot more of that thought-focused human-to-human um, interaction. But on the back end too, right, we're also going really into data analytics. Um, and we're not ignoring the fact that artificial intelligence is a buzzword right now. And so when we look to do AI, as long as it helps with the human to human interaction going on, we're going to explore it. So on the roadmap, we've got uh, digital branding assistance, we've got marketing assistance, data analytics assistance, idea refinement, all that stuff is gonna be factored in from an AI point of view so that the members on our platform can worry less about standing up a challenge or a community or finding ways to brand it we're gonna take that away and let them focus on ideas, sharing, collaborating, messaging, right? The fun part of innovation and entrepreneurship. And so I think that there's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline that our mission partners are gonna be pretty excited about over the next year. 
That's fantastic. It's a good little tease kind of looking forward to. So, you know, talking about common misconceptions, I imagine that there's a lot of misinformation out there, you know, about kind of the federal innovation space. Is there anything that you hear often that you would want the opportunity to kind of debunk? So, yes, and I, I know this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I'm going to I'm going to go for it here. I think a misconception is that innovation in the federal space and the DOD works. Uh, I actually don't believe currently that it is working at a level that it should be. Um, what I mean by that is there's a lot of theater, a lot of conversation that goes on around innovation, right? Because it's a buzzword, everyone must be involved in it. But there's, there's definitely a drop off in activity when it comes to solution adoption, right? And so that's the most important part to me is that solution adoption, right? If there's ideas and they're great ideas, but the warfighter can't have it in his hands or we're five years behind because we're not working with the right people, it's not really innovation, right? It, it's a standstill and it's a sports, a really slow move forward. And so one of the issues around it beyond the theater, right, is this communication aspect, right? And this is one of these gaps that we're hoping open high fills, but to be completely frank, the communication is very disparate. And what I mean by that is you can have members in the army who are working on a project that may be already a year or two ahead in the, the Marines, right? But there's no one succinct voice. There's no true process that's been defined that would allow for that member in the army to know that the Marines are working on that project, right? And so that leads to also a misuse of resources. You know, why fund the army project that's two years behind when they can simply get gain all of that information by getting it from the team from the Marines? And this idea of communication, you know, it really sticks with me too, because I think it also goes external. There's the commercial world in the United States, right? We are a powerhouse in the tech field, but there is a lack of communication between those two worlds. And what I mean by that is you can actually have an innovation challenge inside the DOD space, 400, 500, 600 participants, whatever it may be, you narrow it down, you put so much effort and work into it, and you might pick a winner, but that winner's idea has been commercially available by a company, you know, on the on the other in the other world, right? And that you could have purchased that. And so what you've done there is you've maybe not picked an idea that could have really used that funding and that resourcing that now won't have that opportunity. You're now potentially funding an idea that's going to cost you thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever it may be, when there's already been 10 plus million dollars of R&D done by the commercial world and you can buy that product ready to go maybe some slight tweaks to the schematics or to make it, you know, DOD ready or certified, but it's there, right? And so I think we're all in this, you know, we're all in the US, but the army, the DOD, the federal space, there's this wall between them and the commercial world. And I think if there's more integration there, innovation would function at a much higher level inside the space. You know, it certainly you back up your argument for why, you know, it, it could be functioning a little more 
efficiently. Um, so I, I appreciate your take on that. I could, couldn't find my words there for a minute. So, you know, I'm curious and I want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly because I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, our listeners understand as well. It sounds like one of the biggest challenges that your customers and your clients have is that lack of communication and that lack of connection before they start working on open Hive. Am I right in that? Yes, it's, so it's lack of communication. And I would say lack of direction that brings a lot of people to open Hive, right? So in the internal space, you know, sadly enough, if you're in the army, you're in the Marines, you're in the Navy, the Coast Guard, they're still treated, you know, different silos, right? And so there is that need for more of these, what I call collision events, more of that organic connectivity from person to person within this ecosystem that allows for that um, to happen. Um, now, beyond the communication, though, I think there's also this sort of um, lack of understanding of what exactly innovation is in the space, right? It's one of the most obtuse words that's possibly out there. And a lot of people that come to Open Hive, especially within the DOD, is they've been told you need to be innovative, but not told how, right? And, and being told to be innovative can be very exciting, but it can be also very overwhelming. And so with Open Hive, we allow for members inside the DOD to actually meet that initiative head on, right? If you have a community focused on idea sharing, collaboration, innovation, and inside that community, you're running challenges that um, solicit these ideas, you are sharing out events, uh, potentially it's a user-centered design event to help you think differently, right? Or it's a speaker series that's on base that maybe you might be interested in, or just even resources on maybe how to get your idea out there. Where can you go to make a prototype? Is there a 3D printer available on base, right? If you can just come to OpenHive and create that home base for these members, innovation becomes a lot less overwhelming and scary and becomes a way more of an exciting time for them to really dig their teeth into it. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's a fantastic point, Derek. So, you know, as we start to wrap up this episode, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with either about OpenHive, about GXM, anything you want to leave our listeners with? So the one thing I do want to leave the listeners with is that while the licenses for communities and challenges is available on the GSA schedule, OpenHive is not OpenHive without the members coming in there collaborating. So it is free to use. For anyone out there that would like to join, it takes about literally 10 seconds to create an account. You can go in, explore, go into some open communities. I mean, I brought up uh, 18th Airborne Corps earlier. Their community is wide open to anyone on the platform. Just feel free to go in there, explore around and see if there's maybe someone in there that you could connect with. Maybe there's an idea that you have that is potentially you know, feasible for an ongoing challenge, right? I think that if you are an innovator, I think if you like to think differently, join OpenHive. The URL is simply www.openhive.us. Um, and I'd also like to say that if anyone has any questions at all, you can obviously hit the support email on OpenHive, but feel free to email me directly at lighter, L-E-I-T-E-R at gxmconsulting.com. More than happy to answer any and all questions. Awesome. Fantastic, Derek. Well, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you breaking down all things OpenHive, GXM, you know, the innovative space. I think this was a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today. Of course. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io 
W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.